this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. So we've been talking about offense. We've talked about, I'm going to review again for those who have missed a couple weeks. We're going to do a quick review and then I believe the Lord's going to wrap this whole series up for you with some action steps that you can use to, to see offense coming to process that offense and then to live an undefendable life. And so we, we understand that we can, we can pick up an offense, we can nurse it, we can rehearse it, and those who don't like uh, having prosperity in their life can disperse it and, uh, and injure other people. And then we know that the Lord wants to reverse it. And we saw the example of Jesus that he, had, he walked on this earth, he lived an unoffendable life, he could have been offended about every scripture you read because nobody believed him, right? Nobody, uh, the, the religious people ridiculed him and he could have been offended. Uh, many turns in his life he could have been offended, but he, he wasn't. And, uh, and so because he had no expectations, he wasn't able to get offended. And I believe that if we begin to live our lives that way, that's a defense against an offense, and I'm not talking about sports. It's a defense against being offended is if we don't have expectations. But what if you do have expectations and you pick up an offense against someone? Now, we have to dig through all the religious stuff that we've been taught and actually go back to what Jesus taught us. And we have to read the red letters and we have to learn how to process an offense as Jesus did, as, as he taught us, because if we actually pick one up, I'm sure that all of us in the room could raise our hands. We picked up an offense, maybe some of you today or yesterday or whatever. Um, maybe some of you a lot, of a lot of years ago and haven't gotten rid of it yet, but we can pick it up and we've all done that. So if, if we can do that, then he had to give us an answer for that. And so we read in Luke 17 about the offense that happens, it's you're going to always have a chance to get offended. And, and if you do, that's not a good thing, but we can process it. And then in Luke 17, he says, let's just turn there, Luke 17. He says, the disciples say to Jesus, it is impossible that no offenses should come. He says to them, sorry, but woe to him through whom they come. We know that it would be better for a millstone to be hung around his neck and thrown into the sea. We got all that. And then he says, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times returns to you and says, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. We hit this a couple weeks ago. They didn't say increase our faith when he said, go heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers. They said, increase our faith when he said to forgive people. So it must be something that we have to really engage with him on to get, to get going, but it's not about faith that we have, it's a faith in Christ, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I want you to turn with me this morning to Matthew 18. We ended in Matthew 18 last week, and I want to begin there this week, because there's this, this interesting exchange that happens that Jesus gives a definition of how we can actually forgive people, but I want to process Peter's attitude as he talks to Jesus. Now, none of you have had an attitude when you talk to Jesus about anything, 
Am I in the right crowd? We've all had an attitude when we've talked to Jesus about something. Well, Peter, in verse 21, he says this, Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall we shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? Where does he get seven times from? Luke 17, when Jesus told them. So he's going back to Jesus and saying, hey, you really mean seven times. Have you ever, has the Lord ever shown you something or told you something and you go back to him and say, for real? Like for real, you really want me to forgive somebody seven times in a day? And so Peter's attitude is a little squirrely here because he is sort of going back to him with this chip on his shoulder like, yeah, yeah, right. Is that what we're supposed to do? Seven times? Then I think that Peter was really saying, this. I'm reading into it, but maybe you can read into it with me. I think he was really saying, I forgive him seven times and on the eighth time, I can stick the dagger in his side. <laughs> is that what Peter was saying? Like seven times, Jesus, I get it, but on the eighth time, he's gonna get it, right? And we've never had that feeling as believers, right? I think he was saying, can I be justified? Now get this, I think he was asking Jesus, can I be justified in living in malice towards someone if I go through your plan? Mm, that's a tough one. Because oftentimes the Lord says something to us and we take that and then we just live that way and maybe we get to the end of the seventh time and then we stick it to the person and we are then unfruitful. But Jesus responds in an awesome way. He always does, right? All the red letters are awesome, even if they mean correction to our soul. This is what he says. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Woo. That's amazing. I don't know anybody as weird as people that I've met in my life that can offend me over 490 times in one day. I don't. So was Jesus saying on the 491st time, now you can stick it to him. If they can do it in 24 hours, you have the right to stick it to him. No, I don't think that's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, in all things forgive. So forgiveness, you'll wanna write this down, Forgiveness is the key to your fruitfulness. You see, we can walk around offended and be unfruitful, but if we want to get fruitfulness back in our lives, we have to forgive. Now, you all know the most famous forgiveness scripture that Jesus says when he's on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In one point in Jesus' walk on the earth that he could have said, I'm going to stick it to him, he didn't. And he's the best example we have of living without offense. And so he says, listen, it's, it's 490 times in a day you still got to forgive the guy or woman. You have to do it. It's just the way that life works. It's the way that you become fruitful. And so when we live our lives and we pick up things, I don't know if any of you have ever picked up things. Maybe you hear a conversation or maybe somebody walks by you and you're accidentally, or we were talking about it before the service, uh, Eugene and I were talking about it, that you can actually, somebody can walk by and if you're in a bad mood or maybe you're offended, then you assume that they're offended at you and it becomes this whole mess, right? And Jesus is saying, listen, no matter if you pick up 490 of these deals, forgive, forgive. Now, I believe 
that the church has missed this part a little bit because I, I have heard it preached from pulpits and I'm pledging that I'm not going to do this. But I've heard it preached from pulpits that you have to forgive and forget for you to be free. And I would say that's not biblical. It's not biblical because there's some things that you can't forget. Amen? It would be harmful for you to forget them. So Jesus is not saying forgive and forget. He's saying forgive. And in your forgiveness, find healing into the situation that you're in so that when you remember it, you aren't attacking someone. So that you actually get healed from whatever you are holding offense on. You're not holding malice about that thing anymore. But if you truly forgot everything, you had this spiritual amnesia that happened every time you forgave somebody and you just forgot everything that happened, you would be setting yourself up for failure. And so some people preach you have to forgive and forget. And that's one of the reasons why people don't get to forgive people. They don't get into forgiveness about things. Because I can't forget what my uncle did to me whenever I was five. Or I can't forget what my ex-wife or ex-husband did to me. And I carry that the rest of my life. They're the problem for all of my torment in my life. And I can't forgive them because I can't forget what they did. That's not true. That's not biblical. You can forgive anybody. You can forgive anybody. No matter how heinous the thing was that they did to you, you can forgive them. And you can be free. You can live a free life of forgiveness. But that doesn't mean that we forget. And I want to make that clear. If you're in here today and you've been walking down this road and you haven't forgiven somebody because you just can't get that thing out of your mind, that's wrong. You need to get healed from that thing. And then once you get healed from that hurt, then you'll go back and do that. Now you say, Pastor Rob, how in the world can you say that this is the way it is? And why do you say that? Turn with me to Philippians 3 and verse 13. Now, many of you know this scripture, and you can probably quote it back to me, but I want to I wanna bring this scripture to you and show you something that the Lord showed me in this scripture, because I, I love Paul, and as I, we talked about in the wedding yesterday, most of us would believe Paul's an MVP, right? He's, he's the most valuable player of the Bible. And uh, we had the NFL draft, and so people are thinking about who's the next MVP, right? Yeah. So this is Paul talking about pressing toward something, right? Let's go back to 12. Not that I have already attained, okay? I'm not already attained. It means I ain't there yet. Now the MVP of the Bible is saying, I haven't arrived. Whew. We got lots of people in the church that believe they've arrived. Hmm. Paul's saying, I don't got it yet. Or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. It's interesting that he says it twice he hasn't arrived. Making it clear to everyone who reads the letter, I'm not there yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Now, you, you're probably sitting there saying, Pastor Rob, you just contradicted yourself. You said, you said you can't forget the things that are behind or you'll be in trouble. But 
I want to encourage you to go back to Acts and start reading Paul's conversion and Paul's ministry. And when Paul gave his testimony in the book of Acts, he clearly remembered the things of his past and what he did to the church. But he's writing here, I forget the things of the past. What in the world does that mean? This is what I believe it means. It means he's no longer bound by the thing of the past, but he's able to use that thing because he's not broken anymore to it to bring the testimony into the present so that people can be healed and move on. And so forgetting means I'm going to be healed from that thing. I'm going to remember what all I did, but I'm going to use that thing now that I'm healed to see people come to know Jesus. And so I believe that sometimes we, we put so much strain on forgiveness. Well, I have to forget it if I'm going to forgive because that's what a lot of people teach. No, you can forgive anyone. You can forgive anyone. There's one other thing that I really think comes along with forgiveness that sometimes trips us up, and that is trust. If I forgive somebody, now I have to trust them. Has anybody ever felt that? If I forgive them, now I have to trust them. But that's not biblical either. You don't have to forgive and, and forget. You don't have to forgive and walk into trust because there's some people you just can't ever trust. Now, this is interesting because I was, I was thinking about this and a scripture came to my mind. And I, I'm going to make a statement that will make us all, all of our religious parts. Remember how we sing the song about get, relig- get rid of that religious part, you know, that, that the worship team sing? This one will make your religious one sort of get a little antsy inside of you if you have any left. And that is that God doesn't trust you. He doesn't trust you. He says those who are faithful in little will get more. Trust is earned. When you get born again, God just doesn't say, I trust you with the summit, so here, take it. No, he doesn't do that. Then why do we as believers, when we get into forgiveness of someone, we think that we have to go back and trust them with unbelievable trust? No, 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 no. See, forgiveness is in faith. This is gonna hit some of you. Forgiveness is in faith. I, in faith, forgive you, believing that that's going to free me, and you get to do whatever you want with it, but I'm going to be free so that I can walk through my life and minister. So forgiveness is in faith. Trust is a place you have to get to. Two different things. Two completely different things. So many people believe they can't give forgiveness because I can never trust that person again. They've broken my trust, so how can I forgive them? And so then they say, well, I can't forgive them because I can't trust them, and so they live unfruitful lives, and the other person doesn't even know it. So not only can you not just forgive, and we don't need to forget, we need to remember some things, or forgive and trust, we have to really get in our mind that Jesus doesn't give us any qualifying connection to forgiveness. It's just forgive, 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 forgive. And in doing so, we're not bound and unfruitful. 
And so if you're, if you're here today and you have things in your life, people in your life that you have not forgiven because of one of those two things, today is your day. You're not bound by religious activity anymore to be held by trust or anything else. So what, it, what is this idea of forgiveness really all about? You see, it's, not, it's, it's in faith that we do it because we want to be free and fruitful. And so it takes a level of faith that maybe we don't have, but we can tap into the one who is faith and we take Jesus' faith and say, listen, Jesus, I have received love from you and forgiveness from you, so I'm taking that love and forgiveness and I'm extending it toward my brother or sister. You see, forgiveness is often made out to be whatever you can ground up over that situation and give to that person and then it's all gonna be fine. That's not at all what forgiveness is. You see, forgiveness is you can't forgive somebody in your flesh. It will always come back to you and haunt you. But what you can do is you can say, Jesus, I so thank you, and I receive the love and forgiveness that you've given me. Have you received that? I believe that there's lots of believers, I'm just being honest with you, because forgiveness is a faith deal. I believe there's a lot of believers that, that believe that Jesus wants to take them to heaven, but that he hasn't maybe forgiven everything. You know why I know that? Because believers can't forgive everything. And they hold on to it. And so, and, and I'm preaching to good believers this morning, right? I'm preaching to you this morning because if I was preaching to, to people that were just not good people, then we'd have to change the sermon a little bit. I'm thinking you got some, you got some goods here. You're ready to walk with this, but it's strong. It's that if you don't understand the forgiveness and love that you receive from the Father, then you can't extend it to those around you. And to the extent that you can forgive those around you shows the evidence of what you've received. And so we walk around the planet with other believers, and we were just talking about this this morning, and you said I probably, you said, will you say it in the service? I will. We're coming to a point if I can be honest with you, we're coming to a point where being in a family is super, super, super important. That the enemy is trying to separate the flock. So the question becomes, when, when push comes to shove and we're in the moment where we have to rely on family, how many people in the church, not just this church, but how many people in the church at whole will be able to share and serve their fellow brother and sister? And the answer will come with how many people are offended at other people. There's a reason why the scripture says there's a remnant. Because those are the ones who, are, who have received the love of God, received the forgiveness of sin, and received the forgiveness of everything they've ever done, past, present, future, and then they turn around and give it to other people. You know, when you've forgiven someone, not that you've forgotten, not that you trust, but you've forgiven them, your heart is free, and now you can serve them, you may not trust them, just being, being straight up with you, you may not trust them, but you can still bring them food when they need food, because you're free. 
And so I believe that part of the purification of the bride of Christ is that we understand forgiveness. Jesus talked about it all through the New Testament. He talked about it over and over and over about forgiveness. What do we consider this forgiveness? This forgiveness that Jesus talks about, you can look at it in the terms of debt. Forgiveness would be releasing someone of a debt that they owe you. So when you forgive someone, you're releasing them of a debt that they owe you. If someone did something to you when you were a kid or an adult or whatever, and you forgive them, you're not condoning them for what they did. You're saying, I'm releasing you from the debt that you have caused upon my life. I'm releasing you of that. Now you're going to have to answer for it but I'm releasing you of that, and I'm putting that in the hands of a good judge. And so we have people that walk around, even in churches, we have people walking around even in churches that still have a lot of debts on their card. You know, they, they come into church and it's, it's amazing, and then they whip out their debt card, and they look around. Who owes me? Or maybe they go back to their families and their homes and they are crabby with them and they mouth off at them and they scream at them and they do all this stuff because there's a debt owed that has not been forgiven. I believe that God wants us to tear up the debt card, forgive everyone that was on it, and not make a new one. And go back to the scripture that says, forgive, 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 forgive. Now, I don't know your situation, and what I'm talking about has nothing to do with anybody in the room. So understand me. There are people in the room right now, it will be in every room I ever preach this message in, there are people in the room that have debts that are owed them. Some of you, totally legitimate debt. Someone came to you, and they have purposefully done something to you to harm you. And that's a debt. The issue with debt is that it weighs you down. It holds you back from your destiny. It stops you from everything that God has called you to be. And it hampers your future. Now I want to go to another scripture. We're going to go back to Matthew 18 and I I want to talk a little bit about what Jesus says to Peter. Matthew 18, verse 21, I'll read that part again. We're going to read down through a decent number of scriptures. So if you have your Bible, make sure you're marking this up because there's a lot we can pull out of here about how we live and how we're supposed to live without offense. Now remember, this whole chapter is about being offended. So when he tells the story, he's explaining to Peter how not to be offended, okay? Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Now Jesus goes on this storytelling here, and many of you know the story, but I wanna read it because it has tremendous power if you'll open up your heart to it this morning. Verse 23, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like 
When Jesus says that, pay attention because he's trying to give you kingdom principle that will help you achieve your destiny. It is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with all of his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents or about a million dollars. Well, not in the current dollar, but whatever. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold. Debt will take you places you never wanted to go. With his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience on me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him of the debt. The sentence was already spoken for the debt, but the master changed the sentence. Come on, somebody. The master changed the sentence and said, I want something different now. Whew. Good stuff. But the servant went out. Does this, does this like, this is the picture of the gospel. Your sentence was already made, and someone came and took it away. And this is what happens. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison that he should pay the debt. When we haven't received the forgiveness of the Father, we cannot transfer that forgiveness to anyone else. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that he had done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to each of you from his heart the one who does not forgive his brother of his trespasses. Jesus is saying, listen, there's forgiveness from heaven for your sins, past, present, and future. It's already paid for. Every mistake, everything, every broken piece, it's already paid for. But you can't live a fruitful life if you don't receive all of that you can only be as fruitful as much as you receive from the Father. So if, if you've been told that all your debts are paid and everything is good now, and then you go meet someone else that owes you and you can't forgive their debt, you haven't received full forgiveness of yours. And so my question this morning is, are you able to forgive people of their debt? 
Are you able to forgive people completely wholly? If nothing else is ever said on the topic, you'll never worry about it again because you're free. Doesn't mean you won't think about it. Doesn't mean you're going to blindly trust somebody, but you're free. That's the question. There's no limit on forgiveness. You realize the only limit on forgiveness is what you've received from the Father. The sad thing is, Many of us walk around with a very low limit of forgiveness because we haven't received a big portion from the Father in our own life. So how can we transfer that to someone else? You've been forgiven, everyone in this room, you've been forgiven by the creator of the universe for everything. The cross word you said this morning, the attitude you had, not just the huge things, the little things. He's forgiven you for all of it. In fact, he did that before you were even sinning. He died on the cross to take all of that before you were ever born. If we can just grab and understand the greatness of his love and forgiveness toward us, we will be different humans upon the earth. We will be spreaders of that love. We'll be contagious with love. We'll be contagious with forgiveness. Someone will bump into our car, and instead of getting out and screaming and looking to see if there's a dent, we'll be forgiving. Don't you think that's what he wants to see in his church? We sang the song about Christ be magnified in me. That comes from Philippians 1.18. Paul says, all these things are going on, but if you look at me, my goal is that Christ is magnified. You don't see me. If we walk around in unforgiveness, people are only seeing you and me. But if we walk around in forgiveness, over and over and over, people begin to see Christ. And that is our goal. Many people will say, I haven't forgiven because. And the answer to that question is not because of what someone else did, not because of something that you maybe did, but because of what you haven't received. If you can't forgive, it's because of what you haven't received. And I know this is strong, and I know this will hit you right between the eyes, but it's your problem. The more you open up to the Lord, the more you receive of him, the more time you spend with him, the more you understand he loves you more and more and more, and you can't contain it. But you see, the enemy wants us to be distracted, wants us to be looking in the rearview mirror more than out the windshield, and he wants us to focus on putting a cap on what God will actually give us. You know, he'll only forgive up to this point. What you did, that doesn't fit in the box. But the Lord isn't in a box. He doesn't have a box. He has a bunch of people upon the planet that he wants to love and care for, and he wants to be healthy. And I don't believe that we can walk around in the measure of health that he wants for the final days if we don't know how to forgive. I really don't. So one of the interesting things about this scripture is that the master then put the servant in torment. Now, many of you would say, 
I am living in a form of torment because of someone. Believe me, I've heard it on the phone. People living disjointed lives because of someone, that's torment. But that isn't what it really means. The torment is the condemning of yourself for not forgiving someone. It's not something that comes from the outside. It's something that actually bubbles up from the inside. And so when you're unforgiving of someone for the debt that they owe you, then something rises up on the inside that begins to torment you. It's a mindset that torments you and takes you around and around and around and around. And so people live in torment, and whenever we get to them as ministers of the gospel and we talk to them, their torment is often pointed at someone else. And we get the fun job as ministers to convince them that the torment is actually their own problem. It has nothing to do with the other person. So how do we process forgiveness in our lives and make it practical? Because if you actually have forgiveness from the Father, you still have to know how to process it because you can stand in full forgiveness and hold a bunch of other people accountable. Do you realize that's what the servant did? He was standing in full forgiveness but didn't know how to process it to his people, the people that were serving him. So you could have all the forgiveness of sin and be there totally fresh and clean, but not know how to transfer that to the next generation. And so Jesus gives us a, an outline about what that looks like. If you're not willing to release someone from their debt, I don't want you to think about saying that you're unforgiving them, okay? Because that's a little harsh and you're not going to hold yourself to that. What you really need to say, if the Lord brings somebody up in your mind that you haven't forgiven, you need to look at them and say, you owe me. Because unforgiveness is a debt. And so we can look at them and say, yeah, I can't forgive them because of whatever. No, no, no. You just need to look at them and say, you owe me. Isn't it amazing that Jesus walked around the earth and never looked at a human being and said, you owe me? That's how we know that he was never offended. He never said, you owe me. So here's how we process it. You see, releasing a debt is easy if you aren't emotionally attached to it. The first thing we have to do is step back from a situation because if we just go in to forgive somebody and we do it in the flesh, it's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. Some, some people, even throughout this, some people in this, in this church, even throughout this sermon series, have forgiven people and it came back. You forgave them, but the guilt came back. You forgave them, but the torment came back. You forgave them because you did it in your own flesh. What you have to do is stand in the face of the person and say, you don't owe me anything. And the only way to do that is to detach emotion from the situation. And I know, women, you're all in the room, you are the secret weapon of the kingdom. Do you hear me? Women are the secret weapon of the kingdom because you are all about, every thought you have is connected to an emotion. 
Yes? Because I found that out because when you get married, and I was joking with Brandon about this yesterday, when you get married, you realize that she's not really mad about the thing that's here, it's the five things before that she never expressed, but they're all attached to emotion. But men have boxes in our brains, and we are good with having a situational box. And so this is one situation. If you bring up the last five, that was 50 boxes ago. I don't remember that. But that's why you're the secret weapon of the kingdom, because you can take truth and you can give emotion to it and bring it right to people. I want to see you use it more, ladies. I want to see you use it more. So this is how you process forgiveness. I'll give you a few points The first way to process forgiveness to someone who has offended you, hurt you, molested you, or any other thing that you can think of, the way that you process it is to first receive forgiveness from the Father. We don't start off by going back to them and pouring salt on the table and doing all that. No. We have to receive from the Father all the love and forgiveness that he can give us which is more than we can handle. And that's where we start because when we receive forgiveness as the servant, we stand in a whole new light. If everybody in the room, your mortgage was paid off, every bill was paid for the rest of your life, you would look a little different this morning. Am I wrong? If every requirement of you was taken care of for the rest of your life, I would see more smiles in the room whenever I came in on Sunday then why don't we see that because Jesus paid it all? We sing it. All to him I owe. We should have a smile just for that fact, no matter what the mortgage says. So first of all, receive your forgiveness from the Father. Next, to remember you're free of all debt. See, this should be a shouting match. You are free from all debt. Jesus doesn't hold anything against you. God the Father doesn't hold anything against you. You are free and clear in the kingdom of God. Nothing to owe to anyone. That right there should make us jump and shout. You know why? Because it cost him a life. Next, how do you process forgiveness? Now that you have received forgiveness, now that you understand and you remember continually that you're debt-free, now the job is to go and release other people from their debt to you. Release other people from their debt. You can't walk up to them anymore and say, you owe me. Now you walk up to them and say, I love you. I may not trust you, but I love you. Is that a hard thing to swallow because we've been taught that we have to trust people after we forgive them? No, no, no. We love you. I would not let you near my kids. Okay? And the next one is to vow to yourself that you will never go back to the torment that was on you before you forgave them. Because the enemy wants to dump it back on you. The enemy wants to put that torment right back on you and say that nothing happened. So you have to purpose in your heart that the torment 
that comes with this is no longer going to be upon your life and you're going to walk in freedom. So I've got one other one, and I know this one's going to go through the room. Because we've all said this, but it's completely false. So when it hits you, write it down, and then we're going to process it, okay? Why won't people release people from their debt? This is why. If I release them, they got away with it. If I forgive my uncle who did that thing back in 1964 to me, if I forgive him now, he got away with it. If I forgive my ex-wife or my ex-husband for what they did to me, they got away with it. Well, I got some news for you. They got away with it anyway. You're the only one that is stuck on it. Now they have to pay for it. There's a good judge. One day they're going to answer for it. I'm just telling you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I'm not making light of your situation. Again, I don't know anybody's, I'm not talking to anybody specifically. It's not how I preach. I'm not going to pull you out and say something's wrong with you. But what I'm saying is there's so many people bound up and not forgiving other people because they say, if I forgave them, then they would get away with what happened. No, they've already gotten away with it. The Lord's going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to get over it so that you can be productive in your life. We see so many people that have broken hearts today. They can't move on in relationships because of the last relationship. Why? Because they're bound up and they think if I forgive him for that, then he's going to get away with it. You're holding debt. Makes you heavy. Makes you unproductive makes you unfruitful. And that's why forgiveness is the key to your fruitfulness. Every single day. So if somebody you know doesn't deserve to get away with it and you've held that in your heart, then today I want to ask you to release their debt. They don't even have to be in the room. You releasing their debt is an act of faith that you can walk free for the rest of your life, leaving the judgment to the Lord. And if you want to be the judge, if you want to be the judge, then you have to understand that you're out of place and it will not be fruitful. I'm going to ask the team to come up for a minute. I think that there are people here I truly believe this with all my heart. That there are people here that have thought, if I forgive someone, they have gotten away with it now. And so they haven't forgiven someone. And the Lord's going to bring this to your mind. Just close your eyes where you're at. The Lord's going to bring it to your mind right now, in this moment. We've prayed about this. We're asking the Lord to reveal to you things that stop you from being fruitful. There are people here that are saying, they get away with it if I say that their debt is gone. There's also people here that have not released forgiveness to somebody because you know that you can't trust them around your kids anymore. You know that you can't trust them to, around your finances anymore. 
You know you can't trust them in different situations. And there's also some people here who have taken up the religious point of view that you have to forgive and forget. And so you haven't forgiven because you know you can't forget it. So this morning I want to ask you if you'd stand with me right there in your seat. As the Lord reveals things to you, I want you to hold that situation in your mind. The person, the situation, unforgiveness in any facet that we talked about today. Because today is your day to be debt free. Now, some of you in the room, maybe you've never received fully the forgiveness of your sin to be debt-free with the Lord. Maybe you're holding that back this morning. Today, he wants you to be free. No more torment, no more degraded mentality, shame and guilt. He wants freedom. So as they sing, if you want prayer, if you want agreement in this, do you need agreement? No, the Lord can do it right there, but sometimes we just need agreement with one another. We need a family to surround us so that we can actually get where God wants us to go. And so they're gonna sing. If, if you're dealing with this, come forward, we'll agree with you. Pray in your seat, intercede for what's about to happen. Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you, Jesus, I love you.
process has entered into your heart not just your head my prayer is that throughout this week the stuff that you've maintained and received in your brain will actually transition to your heart because as it goes from your brain to your heart your actions change your mouth changes you see a lot of times when we're offended when we're broken when we haven't received forgiveness that the Lord has given us our mouth will show it because the malice will come out and he wants you to be completely whole this morning. So Father, today we thank you. We thank you for your love for us, that you want to come down, that you want to change us, you want to heal us, and Lord, that you've already forgiven us, but you want us to receive it in all the different facets, to not box you in, to not make something of you that you're not. So this morning, we surrender to you Lord, I pray that every piece of this series from the beginning to today would permeate this house, that, that the summit in Dover would be an unoffendable place, that we would be unoffendable people, that we would be forgiving people, that we would receive all that you have for us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I have a few announcements. This is actually a crazy week here at the summit. Um, the offering buckets are in the back for when you're on your way out. But this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. 
And in Tuscarawas County, we're going to be doing prayer from 8 to 9. We're doing prayer and declarations at the courthouse and administrative building. So you're welcome to join for that. And then from 6 to 7 p.m., we are having corporate worship, proclamations, and prayer by local pastors and community leaders at the gazebo in downtown Philly. So be there at 6 o'clock um, to pray and worship and come together with um, the believers in our region. Also, this Wednesday is Family Connect Dinner, so come bring a friend, 6.30 in the Zone Building this Wednesday. And then this Saturday is our Spring Cleanup Day. We do this every year just to keep our building in um, tip-top shape. So if you could be here, that's from 9 to 1 this Saturday, so please join us to help to help out around the building. And then next Sunday is Mother's Day. I'm so excited. We have a really fun photo booth that we're going to be doing, and then we have a gift for all the moms. So bring your mom, bring your family. As Pastor Rob said earlier, it's going to be a really fun time of celebrating women in the kingdom and how powerful that is. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.